0: Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Good morning, Today is the second message in our series, Count Your Blessings. And I named this message as What Really Matters. That's the name I gave to this man, What at the end, will be counted. Because we want to count the blessings. But I want to teach you uh, what, at the end of your life, you're really going to look at back in and say, That was worth it. That was meaningful. Like, it was really important to me. Now, before I jump into the Word and, and praying for the message, I need to remind you that, inside of our families we have these structures structures that will promote blessings and we're gonna increase blessings in our families now marriage is the foundation of families say amen Amen. families cannot be constituted without marriage families should be the foundation of the church that's why In our church, here in Vine Church Fort Myers, we are pro-family. We invest in our families. We persist on this subject. Next week, we're also going to have this awesome couples retreat because we intentionally want to invest in the families of this house. We know it is important because families are the basis for a strong church. Now, I know it is not like that right now, but while we could elect the right representatives, while we can, you know, vote for better law and structures of our society, a society that experiences real change has the church as its basis. And and that's why strong marriages lead to strong families that leads to strong churches that should lead to strong societies. And we see this disruption in society, believe me, starting all back into our marriages. And today I want to press on to that because I want to see the revival we are so much praying for. And I know that it will happen with miracles, with signs, with the supernatural moving. But definitely will happen when our marriages will be stronger. Like if our marriages will be more founded in the word of God. Like when I speak about revival, I don't know what the image passes through your mind. Probably it's people, you know, getting up from their disease and blind receiving sight. Definitely this is part of the revival. But a revival means a change of society. That it starts all back into strong marriages. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Holy Spirit, we are entering in holy ground now. And we don't want to just... Play around with emotions today. I want every brother and sister that came this morning with an expectation to be blessed and edified. To receive this powerful, inerrant, infallible word of God that changes everything. Oh God, I pray that you use my words and the illustrations and the stories. And somehow just to spark and and, and stir some realities that needs to be Marked and engraved in the hearts and the minds of every family represented in this place. So our hearts are open. Our minds are open to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, once again say, Amen, amen and Amen. Now, I, I married a young couple uh, a few weeks ago, for a few days ago. And they, they ran the race of engagement. And they finally made their vows before family and Friends and church. But just because you are married, it doesn't mean that the project is done. If you are married, you know that it was maybe really hard for the, to get into the wedding day. A lot of expenses. You were starting life. You had to save money. You didn't, even didn't know what saving money means until that day, right? There are some people engaging in the back laughing because like he never experienced or even realized the importance of saving money until now that he's going to the wedding day. But after you, you know, proclaim your I do's there in the altar, you find out that now it is a lifetime investment project. It is an ongoing investment project. And I'm not only speaking about money because money is the cheapest thing to invest. And we all know that in a few more years, maybe, we don't know, maybe even months, money probably will disappear Like people will put value in other things just because it's happening right now in front of our very eyes. Like we can see this happening. So money it's not necessarily the best investment. Actually, money is the easiest thing to give away. But there is a most valuable currency that your family and your marriage needs investment. Time is the most valuable currents the most precious asset you have is your time so all the marketing companies all the businesses they are after your time time is the current for successful marriage and family how you spend your time is more important than how you spend your money Now, you have to get this very deep in your heart because if you just invest money in your children, they might end up far from you because they never received a genuine investment. If you just pay for their education, for their formal education, but you never spend time to teach them, disciple them, mentor them, lead them, you are not investing. Let me read this verse with you guys. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. 16 says, Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Let me hear a good amen. You know this is true. Like, the days are evil, and we should... Be very wise, smart, intelligent with this asset, with this property called time. You should really put it in the safe bank that will profit you and multiply you and ge- increase this value for you. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I can tell you what is the will of the Lord for you. It is your family. It is your primary ministry. And in the end of the day, that it it is what will matter. It is your family. So what really matters? So have you ever been beside a person that is going to die? On the deathbed, everybody, I'm not telling some people, everybody, speak just two important things that matters: Faith and family. There's no other subject. Now, I have talked with people that were, you know, a few days before dying. And all of them, they don't remember their graduation diploma. They don't mention, you know, all their enterprises and achievements and whatever they, you know, how many... Uh, articles they wrote or how many books they have read and they, they they remember just two things they that's the only subject they go around it is their faith and their family because in the end what matters is that is faith and family here's a, a real story that I read this week and I want to bring it fresh to you because I'm very concerned again that if you want To experience the growth, the revival, we are so much crying for, we have to be intentional with our family. This very successful car collector used every free time to customize his cars and compete in car shows. Which, by the way, nothing against car shows. If you don't know that, uh, a few years ago, we actually promoted a car show in Vine Church. How many of you guys were with me on that this time? It was crazy, right? Like we actually did a car show. So I'm not against. So now think with me, this man of wealth, an expensive hobby, decided to not invest what was really important. To have a car collection hobby, it means that you have money to do it. So one day, bringing back another of his golden plastic trophy he found his house empty. His wife and his daughter laughed. Because they gave up on giving so many sides and alerts to him. That they needed investment. So in the void of his house. He looked to all these many trophies. And found out that they were not memories of victories and vainglory. But actually monuments to hundreds of hours that he had stolen from his wife and his children and he had given to pursuits that ended up not really mattering so with tears in his eyes he got everything put it in a trash bag and he drove to the next dumpster and he started to throw each one of that victories but then he realized monuments of defeat. And as he listened to the crashing of these trophies inside of the dumpster, he prayed his most honest prayer, asking God for another opportunity and repenting of the waste of his time that he did not invest in what matters the most. Unfortunately, the story doesn't end very nice because it took him more than three years to start the restoration of his family. So on the deathbed, people always affirm that the most significant joys that they experienced resulted not when they climbed the podium or they staged to receive their diploma, but was always related to relationships. Relationship with God definitely. A relationship with their spouses and family. Look, I was, I faced death in my family. And I remember when I was some of, I still have some glimpse of memories during the, you know, fresh moments of my grief in 2016. And I remember that in the collapse of my soul, uh, one of the crazy things I was doing was I was starting to call to people that. Uh, was important to me. It just affected my life. So I remember calling my aunt in Brazil, one, that, one aunt that was very responsible for my conversion. And, um, and I just called her in the middle of the day, and she was so surprised. And I didn't remember much what I said to her, but I remember in the other side of the line she was crying. I called this beloved friend and disciple that I, I somehow influenced his life. And it's beautiful when you, you really live... A discipleship, a genuine discipleship relationship because it is a two-way road relationship. Like you, you are not only blessing and mentoring someone, but you are definitely affected by that relationship. I, I, that's why I'm so for discipleship, one-on-one mentorship. And I call Pastor Bruno, uh, this very dear friend of mine, and, and just call him just to say, man, I love you so much. I remember the first class of seminarians here some of them could call me, but later on, I failed to call them. And just because they affected me so much, their relationship with me affected so much. And definitely what matters is faith and family. Now, let's think a little bit about that. Because, again, if hobbies should be this place of entertainment, should be this cope mechanism that everybody needs... Once in a while, just to tr- take the pressure off our shoulders, it is not a problem to have a hobby that spends time. The problem is when your stress relief activity becomes an escape from your own family, when it should be with your family. When even more dangerous is when you choose a practice or a cope mechanism that is sinful and leads to destructive habits that might, you know, just shatter from inside out your own family. And here I'm talking about addictions and I'm talking about sinful practices that because, you know, you're not necessarily drink or use drugs, but you use these escape routes going, you know, with friends and sometimes going into these chat online rooms that, you know, just living this parallel world. But the Bible asks us to develop hobbies with our own family. Actually, the Bible doesn't have any problem for us to have our stress relief moments, our cope mechanisms, Because definitely there are so many bad news around us that we just want to escape once in a while. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, which is in the book of Ephesians, the chapter that relates the most of family relationship. It's here in Ephesians chapter 5. That we're going to hear Paul writing about husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church. It's here that Paul is going to speak about children being submissive to their parents. So in this chapter he brings something very interesting. He says in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns. Spiritual songs. Singing And making melody. I love the fact that some of you guys cannot sing. But definitely can make some melody. And you know that right? You know that. And probably your children knows that too. But that's okay. If you are at least able to make some melody. Just do it to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always. And for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another. Out of reverence. For Christ. Do not get drunk with wine, with cope mechanisms, with stress relief ideas that will rob you from your family. So the best hobbies should be inclusive. Those that the whole family could enjoy and relax together. And when I say that a lot of people Immediately thinks, Pastor, but I don't have money to buy Universal Annual Pass. I don't have money to bring my kids every weekend to Disney World. But I'm telling you, you can have all the annual passes of the theme parks of Orlando, Florida, and you're still not investing in your family. Because it has to do with time and quality, spend, listening and talking, and, and, and old, telling the old stories again. Like this is the favorite hobby of my kids. They love to listen to our old stories. Like right? they they always ask me about how I grew up and how was my, you know, how I survived, three siblings being the youngest, you know, and how you know they see their crazy uncle now in my house and being just like he says, How did you survive in Chiulu? Like, how is it even possible? He said, I have my, you know, self-defense strategies. I love listening to these stories. So we need to develop some simple habits. It can be, again, just gathering together once a week to set up a jigsaw puzzle night or read together or set up a craft together. Or, again, just watch an entire series together and and create, you know, moments that will uh, be remembered by them. Because you guys developed that thing together. Now, many parents, because we live in the Bible Belt of Florida, take it for granted that the kids will be embedded with Christianity automatically. Let me show you this research that I found a few months ago. This was made by One Hope. It's a a missionary organization that preaches the gospel and brings the scripture to kids all around the world with the goal to plant churches. And they made a research all around the world, but here in America, and they found out that 51% of the teens, bringing in 51%, not this one. There's another one with a cross in the middle. Uh, 51% of the so-called teens in America, it's 50% here, but the the actual number is 51. And when I say teens, mean 13 to 19. That's why teens... um, in America. Call themselves Christians. So they go to the church. And somehow they you know, follow their parents. They were again. Uh, immersed into the religious traditions. And standards of America. They call themselves Christians. But when they start to make simple questions. About what do you mean being Christian. They found out that only 8%. Say after me, 8%. So from this 50, inside of this group, only 8% are committing to six traits. Before you project, pay attention. Years ago, I used to hear that in the church, it's always 80% of people come, but only 20% of people serve. Have you ever heard about this? I heard this research, I don't know who made it, but, but the actual research shows that between the teens, it's only 8%. Why? Because, again, the parents, they are thinking that it is just, they're going to get it, Christian. They're going to get it, this thing about Jesus. They're, gonna, they're just going to embrace Christianity because we are all Christian, don't we? But pay attention to what was called, 8% of them... Only 8% believe and practice these six traits. Look how basic is this trait. are these traits. Number one, they believe that God exists and they can have personal relationship with him. In other words, only 8% of the kids in the churches practice this, a personal relationship with Jesus. In other words, they don't have a relationship. They only have religion. They are practicing religion. They pray at least once a week. So it means that during their service coming, even there, they are not even praying. They are playing video games in their phones. Are you getting this image here? Only 8% they are actually coming to the service and praying during the service. In this research, they found out that most of the kids, church folks, church kids, they are not even praying during the services. And read their scripture once By themselves, weekly. Look at that three other basic ones. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, we have 50%, 51% of teens in America coming to church, but they actually don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe that. They don't have this faith. They don't have this genuine faith. Isn't that crazy? It says that, Only 8% believe that forgiveness of sin is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because they are probably practicing religion. Because in the religion concept, I have to make my way to heaven. But for only 8% of the so-called Christian teens in America, they understood the basics of the message of the gospel that is only through Jesus Christ. Believing in Him is not about my endeavors my performance, I don't have to prove myself to anyone, to my friends in social media, even to my Christian fellows here. I am approved by the blood of Jesus before my God. And I believe that. Last one, they believe that the Bible is the word of God. I, I was impressed. And that's why we see this, again, this idea that a lot of parents take it for granted. And, and, they, and they expect society school and sometimes the church to make this job of influencing their kids for good to make the best use of the time so i definitely my mom was not intentional in investing but she invested in me i always shared this story i think i think because she see she saw how crazy my brother became just laughing just joking it's not I, th- I think she saw me just having the desire for God, and she, you know, like, slowly but surely, she always brought some new books for me. I remember reading when I was, I think, 15 years old, a thick book written by the youth leader of Saddleback Church uh, about how to lead teens. and I was 15 years old, and I said, I just want to lead teams, and I was 15 years old, and Uh, Surely when I was 16, I started my first life group and I started to lead my first life group. And and my mom was just like feeding me on that. But I I was thinking if she was even more intentional. What I mean about being intentional is simple. Remember that I'm speaking still about hobbies and pleasure, entertainment, good memories. So why don't you turn your church and life group experience into your favorite experience? Family hobby. Like when it's life group day, your kids are going to just say, I want to go. It's not an option. We have to go. My friends will be there. It's the best time of the week. Is when we laugh. It's finally the, week, the day in the week that I can forget all about my problems. Is my relax, cope mechanism. relief. Is stress relief time. I just enjoy to be with these people and in the presence of God. Why don't you turn your life group day the best family hobby. Why don't you turn this time with the church, the time that your kids will remember the most. Like, it is the best day of the week because we always eat the best food on Sunday. Oh, I remember the time of going. Now, I was talking a few days ago with my cousin, and and, and Adelie was telling me how her memories with sweets and joy and family gathering was related to uh, uh, trick-and-treat. And I said, why don't we convert that to God and to the things of the church and, and make, you know, remarkable memories in our kids related to the life of the church. Let's our kids expect service and life group days with expectation and joy. And many parents think that their children will have this personal experience with God without their intentionality and in investing time, money. Honestly, driving your kids where you live to the church building to the life group—I know it's not easy. I know it takes time. So yesterday night, I had uh, these guest pastors visiting us from Atlanta. I have a bunch of demands going on here. I was afraid that Pastor Tool and his team would break down this building because it was packed. They were dancing. They were so hype, and they were on fire. I said, "Man, I, should I leave? Should I not leave?" Then I saw my kids and I saw some other teens and I said, no, no, no. I'm going to preach about that today, tomorrow. So it's better I fulfill what I'm going to preach. So let's just, you know, go and eat some food together and, you know, build again. It can, it can be in that night that we're going to have an opportunity to build that memory that will hold them on the evil day. Because the days are evil, Apostle Paul said. Two thousand years ago were evil, much more now, my friend. So I know that I can protect my kids with these memorable moments. If you're not intentional in investing time with your children in the presence of God. Or if you cannot be with your children. And that's where I fit my mom here because sometimes she could not spend time with us, the children. But at least facilitate their experience with God. Don't be surprised. When in their youth, they would choose something more exciting in the world. Now, again, we know this. And and it's not that every time it works. It doesn't mean this is a perfect formula. But on your side, you did all that you could to present and facilitate and widen the the path to know Jesus. Now, let me teach you what I do in my house and what I want to give you. Just two practical things that you can bring it with you and practice even today. Number one, pray with and for each other. Now, I, I, I love to talk with my kids, and sometimes we get in this, you know, end-of-the-road corner things that we don't know what to do. Say, let's pray about it. it just ask Jesus for this. Let me pray for you. Like, you don't know how to deal with this situation, with this bullying in your school. Uh, let's pray about it. I, I don't know how to deal with this situation financially speaking, everybody, let's pray together about that. Like We have this desire, this uh, dream vacation we're planning. We don't know how things are going to go. Let's pray about it. When we pray for one another, you build a bond that goes beyond feelings and romance. Inside marriage, inside family, it has to do with genuine love. So I pray with my wife. I pray for my wife. And again, it's not... As religious as it sounds. So I thank God for her during the day. I ask God to change her in things that are bothering me. But because she's very perfect, usually God changes me. During the process. Husbands in the house know exactly what I'm talking about. So God just say, no, no, no. i just going to develop a little bit more patience on you. You just need to be more loving to your wife. Like... I won't change her. She's perfect. I say, I agree, God. She's perfect. <laughs> sorry. For, sorry for my demands. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's harsh, but it's so true. But let's keep it just part A of the verse. You all know. This illustration of the triangle, we have the spouse on one side, the spouse on the other side, and we have God in the highest place of the house. As we head toward God, placing Jesus in the highest place of our relationship, definitely we're going to draw near to one another. So this is, this is simple, but so powerful. So when couples understand the importance of prayer, they get closer to one another. So And I want to get closer to my wife. I want to get closer to my kids. It can be right before sleeping. It's just like remind yourself about this amazing person. God allowed you to live a life together. And as you look to all the blessings and the favor and the things that happen because of this person besides you on bed, you're going to be grateful. And I'm telling you, on the other day, whatever was the grief, the fights, the disagreement, you won't have that problem anymore. Get get your eyes on me. So the truth to be said is that some people come to me and say, Pastor, but I'm very busy to pray. Let me answer you in a different way. That's, That's the problem. You are not getting the perspective. Actually, you are very busy to not pray. If you're really busy, understand the importance of prayer. Bring it back to this, this simple practice. Take time to pray together. In front of your kids, before the meal, but be genuine, be authentic. This is the second one, but let's read Matthew chapter 18, 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, everybody says anything. Now, this is so good because it's so broad. Anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Next verse, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So it's perfect because the context for this to happen is inside your family. You can ask anything in the name of the Lord Jesus and Jesus himself, you're going to roll his sleeves and going to say, I'm going to make it because they ask Him my name. And I have to well represent my name because they're asking and they believe together and they are green on earth. We're going to be a reality in that family. Now, the problem is that a lot of couples, they fight each other and they cannot stand together in one goal. So my wife loves to do this with me. She has wishes as any woman has. And let me teach you, man, maybe you never heard that, but most of you guys already knows, but pay attention for you newlyweds in the house, and I have a bunch of them here. When you're you're driving by this nice, beautiful neighborhood, and your wife just sighed out loud, look at that beautiful house. I wish, and just just sighed out loud. In the beginning of my marriage, I felt such a loser. You know, I just said... (laughs) Like, we are living in this one-bedroom apartment, you know. Like, the, the bus station is in front of this place. I barely can sleep, you know. I'm always irritated because I, you know, anyways. And she, you know, say that to me. Is she like, what does she intend to say that to me? Like, she knows our financial and start to be all, like, this cloudy, you know, things in my heart, my mind. And I start to be, you know, uh, mad at her and, 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 you know, resentful. Then I realized that it was just a sight. Then I learned that it was just like a wish, a desire, a dream, an out loud thought that she brought up. And she was not charging me. She was not making any pressure. She just desired. But my wife pressed a little bit stronger. She says, I just wish. And she turns to me, amen, brother. (laughs) And now, now she's pretty much asking for the agreement. Because she's saying, she genuinely believe in Matthew that says if two or more agrees of everything, anything on earth, will be done to them. So, isn't that true or not? It is true. Like, she's here. She's my witness. I cannot lie. Yeah, and I have to say that she's definitely the favorite of God because she wishes and she forces me to agree. And I agree. Woe to me if not agree. And God always brings it to pass because he's faithful to his word. So it can be as simple as this inside family joke that you guys are going to bring and it become a habit inside of your house. And believe it or not, now the boys are doing that to me. Sometimes. But they, amen, brother. Come on, dude, you don't speak with me like that. They are here as well to witness that is true. Mark chapter 3 verse 25. If a house is divided against itself. That house. Will not be able to stand. Now I definitely took this verse completely out of context. But if you have the curiosity to. Put it back this verse in your Bible context. You're going to see that Jesus is speaking about hell. And it's about how hell cannot prevail against the church. Now. It's important just to get the context because some families are not families anymore, they are just a pre a experience of hell because they're so divided, they're so selfishness, they are so selfish, they're so individualistic that it is pretty much leaving hell on earth. But the text itself still have powerful truth. It says that a house divided against itself will not stand. So if this is true, we should develop intentionality toward one another in agreeing together. And we have to remember that our kids have their eyes on us. Our children need to the security of our love for one another in order to believe that family is still worth fighting for. And that's why, unfortunately, some middle-aged couples come to this season in their lives and they... You know, try their individual projects with their kids. And they is snoo- new, they press this news button in their marriage. And let's let's talk about marriage intimacy. Let's talk about harmony and communication. Let's develop our, our accountability and transparency. Transparency after kids go to college. Until then, when they are born, until they go to college, we are not living marriage. Let's talk about marriage after they leave the nest. And that's the problem. They leave the nest and you leave and you are left with an um, empty marriage. So you have an empty nest and an empty marriage. And now you are sleeping with this weird stranger every night that you, in the past 14, 15, 17 years, you lost the sight of the love. Number two, authentic love will remain. So the number one is just pray together. Number two, authentic love will remain. And I'll close my message with this thought with you guys. Our kids don't expect perfection. But they expect authenticity. I I say this because, again, there's so much fake, false reality out there. And after A couple of minutes is spending in social media, you see how much fake and ungenuine, ungenuine, and and, and give me words, hollow, empty, shallow personalities are out there. It's like I just said, it's just superficial relationships, but when we prove our families, our kids, that our love is genuine, our kids, we're going to notice. Our kids will believe that family, it's worth it fight for. I'm going to press into this verse that I read last week. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Look what this verse says. Maybe some of you guys missed this point last week, but I want to emphasize a little bit more. But if we walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Now, our kids are not expecting perfection because... More than anybody else, they see our sins. They see our mistakes. They see our flaws. But they're expecting authenticity. Is this genuine? Is this love real? The Bible challenges us to walk in the light. As Jesus is in the light. But I don't want to expose myself, Pastor. As closer as I get to the light more flaws and failures i'll notice in my hand and i don't want to people notice my failures because right now i have to keep the appearance it's weird right i'm speaking about that and i barely can sneeze before you right now because we have to keep the appearance isn't that weird that i cannot use you know like a paper towel just to clean my nose before you because now we have to keep the appearance and it's even more pressure into that direction. Don't you notice that? That we're just going to leave this fake reality. And But I'm telling you, God is calling us to walk in the light. Being who we are. Real. Genuine. When our kids touch the love that we have for one another, our spouse, our husband, our wife. When they touch the love we have for them, they're going to see Content. They're going to see reality. And you see, the Bible doesn't say that the problem is sin. The Bible says that the problem is to not walk into the light. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So the problem is not sins and, and mistakes. The problem is not coming and walking to the light. in the light. The blood of Jesus is there for us. The blood of Jesus is here today to forgive our sins. And it's so good to have this atmosphere inside of our families because mistakes always are going to happen as the blood of Jesus will always be there for us. Let's always stand up this morning as I close this message. Years ago, I watched this beautiful movie, this romantic movie with my wife. It is about a couple that um, the wife is Losing memory with Alzheimer's disease. And the movie is all about how the guy pursued the woman and conquered her. and had such a a hard time to marry her and live a happily after life together. But finally, the movie ends showing that she was losing memory. And he was just telling her their loving story. I don't know how many of you guys watched this movie. So I know for sure... That if I will have Alzheimer one day, which probably will never happen, you know why? Because research had proved that if you are bilingual, you're probably never gonna have Alzheimer. Maybe trilingual, I don't know, but bilingual for sure. Seriously, this is not that crazy. It seems that they said that if one brain, one part of your brain just die, the other language you're gonna just support you your memories. It's crazy. But if I will suffer Alzheimer, I know that one thing I'll never forget. It is the love of my wife for me. How she takes care of me. How worried she is for every aspect of my life. Today she made my breakfast. I was wondering, Jesus, I don't deserve that. But I, as she did that to me today, this morning... And I was writing right now this this thought to you guys. I was wondering if she will remember me. And I think that would be the best way to approach the matter here. I, I I don't care much if I like if I lose my memory because I know I will not forget her. But will she forget me in case she gets Alzheimer? Among all the things that she forget, I'll be included on this. You know. Not important part of her life and I, I, I just want to invest what matters in the life of my kids in the life of my wife I want to really build unforgettable memories that's why I want to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light because I want to have fellowship true communion commonplace with one another in the blood of Jesus cleaning all our sin with your eyes closed by your head's holy spirit thank you for leading us into this holy ground like we said in the beginning of this message and i pray that today as we bring it back to our homes the admonition and the remembrance that we just should bring prayer back to our food table or maybe in our pillow bend as it needed to be we want to bring prayer back to our families but also I pray for genuine love I pray for authentic love growing inside of these families God enough God with these fake profiles that we try to hold in social media and among ourselves but inside of our families our kids sees the reality. I that.